Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Tomato Timer. And I'm so excited to invite uh, a fellow Diana Legacy Award recipient uh, and friend Alex Anderson to the episode. Alex is a neurodiversity ambassador and works as a logistics supplier at the Royal Air Force. And it's so good to have you. Hi, Alex. How are you? Very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good too. Thank you. Uh, Christmas Eve, right? Indeed. Indeed. That merry time of year. Um, Alex, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, I guess your journey through the education system, um, finding out about your conditions and how, how that shaped your, your journey and, and what it means to be on a, a new and diverse person. Of course. Um, well, it's, it's a bit of a, I went through a lot of hardships when I was younger through the education system. Um, mm. They didn't understand what I was from my earlier years. Um, so it was a lot of difficulties from the age of seven to nine uh, i went through four schools um mm. by the time i well the time i reached 11 in the end um because they they didn't diagnose me at the start so it was just labeled as a naughty child uh because i would act out because i didn't develop the coping mechanisms um in order to sort of function well mm-hmm. within society um and as a result of that it was just a label of well he's just he's just misbehaving um and sadly that was how i was sort of treated so with Asperger's myself at the time, it's very sensory as you don't want people sort of going near you. Sometimes you need that emotional sort of space away. Mm-hmm. And if, if they thought you were being naughty, they'd just restrain you, uh, which is very well. It just is, it's not very good because it's a sensory overload because you someone coming into your personal space. It's very, very difficult. And then as a result, my behavior would get worse yeah. because what I needed was, was that space and time. Um, but um, so I went through a few schools at, at that sort of time period uh, because it was just sort of put me through one school with um, individuals who did have behavioral difficulties and with um, Asperger's that uh, we can do this thing called mirroring. So um, when I, I see other people behave in a certain way, I learned to sort of assimilate that behavior um, okay. at the time because that was what was what I thought would be normal. Um, that's not, not not so good when it's bad behavior. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was very difficult time generally for sort of my family and myself. Um, but then I, on the plus side, I managed to go to a school called the, uh, well, the John Frost High School, which had a specialist autism um, spectrum base, which helped me develop my coping mechanisms and work with me to um, sort of give me that exposure to how I should be behaving and if I do have any difficulties how you deal with it instead of sort of walking out of the room being able to sort of compose yourself and sort of manage it and stay there at the same time um as, as, as you can realize I can't just as I get older and do meetings well I've had enough now and just walk out <laughs> well you just click leave the room right yeah it just doesn't tend to end well so <laughs> So yeah, yeah. It's, it, the biggest things coping mechanisms, and so when they got when I got my diagnosis, it was a lot better because they knew exactly what I had, and mm. then how they allowed me to sort of develop and learn from that was sort of working with that condition because they knew what I could do or what I couldn't do, and it was just gradual exposure to different sort of stresses um, mm-hmm. of sort of everyday life to sort of prepare me for future when I won't have that sort of safety net, and that's sort of luckily where I where I sort of flourished from that point really. And with that right support, I went from, I was at the worst point told I was going to be in the Youth Offence Institute by the time I was 16. Gosh. And then I finished school um, in the top eight highest achievers for for my year. So 
it's that it just for me it just underlines that point of with that right support you can achieve anything Mm -hmm. and you say that it's a condition rather than a disability tell me a little bit about that well i'm quite passionate on that statement because Mm -hmm. um condition for me it's it's something that you will never sort it never disappears you you just got to learn to live with it um i think disability for me it's it sort of uh, says says to me personally that I can't do something uh, because of you've got this, so you can't do X, Y, and Z. But so far in my life, there's never been something that because I'm very <laughs> I'm very much stubborn. If I want to do something, I get it done. Um, mm-hmm. And as a result of that, there's nothing so far um, that I haven't been able to do. And as as such, I, I don't like calling it a disability because yeah. to me that sort of indicates that I can't do something, and it's it's not about can't doing um, can't doing what I want to do. It's more a case of I may not be able to do it this way, but I can do it this way. There's, there's plenty yeah. of ways of achieving your goals in life, and yeah. I use condition because I think it it stops that label of negativity, thinking oh well he's got autism, he can't do this, he can't do that. And so the biggest thing is just to sort of show that you may have this, but that should never that should never stop you thinking that you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And for you, you mentioned how support was such a, such a critical uh, part of your journey and how it, it shifted from kind of like those really hard times to something that allowed you to flourish. And even then, though, the support came quite, quite late, right? How is our education system currently structured to give the support that's required for, for every student, essentially? I think it's it's a little difficult at the moment because you've got to have sort of cross party in terms of both from the parents and the education system to get mm-hmm. a diagnosis and um, to get the right support that's needed. Some parents as well, they, they, they're very sort of anti getting the diagnosis because they worry about their child having a label. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can sadly impact uh, individuals getting the right support they need. Um, but with the education system, depending as well, it can be very reluctant on initially getting diagnosis because it's more funding that has to be put into that individual, yeah. uh, which can provide issues, sadly. Um, and it, it, it is a barrier because mum had to fight to get me diagnosed um, because mum knew that um, something was there. Um, but mum was, I was very lucky. My mum supported me and sort of worked with me to work out what it was so mm-hmm. we could get that right support in place. But sadly, not everyone is like that. And at the moment, where the education system fails is you've got to fight for everything. And parents potentially who, who aren't able to maybe provide that sort of level of fight for their child um, then failed. And as, as a result of that, their child has failed because they can't get the right support because potentially their voices aren't loud enough, which is terrible. But sadly, that that is the current sort of framework of um, education, because it, it is sort of a every individual you've got mainstream, and then anything additional tends to be you you have to justify or fight for it to be able to get anything granted. Mm. And unfortunately, it's such a vicious cycle as well, right? Because once something um, isn't the support isn't given, then it just continues to detriment, spirals out of control, and that's so unfortunate for so many young people who. All they required was the right type of support and the right type of recognition uh, versus, um, you know, incorrect labels and, and, and boxing them away. Well, interestingly enough, in my case, at the very start, I think around the age of six, um, they had an idea that I potentially had Asperger's syndrome. That was in my first school. Okay. But it took two more schools before they even diagnosed me because 
giving me that diagnosis puts risk assessments and all of the other idiosyncrasies of keeping me within education, providing the right support, and it's all funding, which, um, again, you have to fight for it. Um, mm. it's, it's not freely given. It's very much a very difficult battle. Um, and again, I, I'm very, very lucky that I've had a mum who has fought that battle, which was very taxing, I must say. Yeah. Um, and you can completely see why people get disheartened. Absolutely. And we're talking about, like, I know that there's so many challenges in just within the, you know, the UK education system when it comes to these things. Um, but looking even more broadly internationally, there are certain systems where which are still incredibly stubborn and unrecognizing uh, these these conditions, and they're not providing that level of support. And 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 what about those parts of the world which are under resourced, even for the mainstream, and they're unable to provide the funding which is required for additional support so it is it it is it is a, a mammoth of a task and but i know that you've been you know as an ambassador as as a as a spokesperson as an advocate you've been uh championing um neurodiverse people and inclusion and and you've been making changes happen so tell me a little bit about like now you've gone through school you've just finished um came out in the top top 10 percent of your of your class of your school uh of your class and now you're you're heading into the world and what are you doing now so I'm currently working within the Royal Air Force um, as a logistics supplier. Mm -hmm. um, I work with the, uh, the Chinook Force, uh, which is rotary helicopters, um, okay. which is very interesting, uh, very sort of dynamic job role. Um, and for me, it's sort of it's the structure. I, I thought military would be a good fit for me because it is it's the structure, it's routine. It's a lot, lot of things which people with um, autism spectrum sort of thrive upon. Um, because it's it's very regimented and we know exactly what we're doing when we're doing it, which yeah. which is can be very sort of um, very good and sort of keeps keeps a bit a lot more sort of calm, control, composure because you know what's going to happen day to day. Uh, so there is no sort of extreme surprise or shock because that can be very um, very much problematic for individuals on the autism mm -hmm. spectrum. But you you caused a change to happen in how people are can, can, can recognize in the in the armed forces right yes uh well to be fair at the time when i when i joined um a lot of the forces um army for instance um there's a carpet blank man is in terms of nope uh because you have asd um there's no chance to let you in uh the only uh, force that was going to let me have a look looking potentially on case by case basis was the Royal Air Force and mm -hmm. I had to do a very long winded process of going through but then being able to go in as someone who has autism spectrum I've been able to set that precedent and sort of show that even with that I've I've gone in I've saved I've saved the RF millions of pounds by being mm -hmm. very systematic being able to go through processes um, and to be able to sort of see correlations between data and work out where assets go for instance and being able to set that precedent now all of the armed forces have gone to case by case basis and um sort of they have given that diversity and inclusion um as a result every young person is now able to put their case forwards to go into the armed forces because my personal feelings on it were if you are wrong for that job then i completely understand if it's not for you then mm -hmm. fair enough but if an individual is just not given a chance they won't even get a look in bar on paper because they've got a label. To me, I, I took issue with that because that that is discrimination. Um, and but but to be fair, since since sort of I've gone in, I've 
I've been able to prove that I'm able to operate within that environment. Um, that that has become a lot more accessible to loads of young people now. So anyone who does want to have that opportunity now has it. And um, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, sort of, yeah, very proud to say I was part, part of the part of the hard work that went in to make that happen. We are we are all very proud. And it's an incredible, incredible achievement, one that will will affect so many more after you as well. Have you heard back from anyone um, after those changes were instated to in, in other kind of recruits who were able to come in because of your change? Yeah, I've, well, interesting. If I, I keep a bit of a social media presence online um, to sort of share my story. And if people need someone to go to, to mm-hmm. help them, especially with their application processes for any of the armed forces, mm-hmm. I've tried my best to be open and to be as supportive as I can. And I had a few individuals sort of speak to me, um, like private messaging me or parents private messaging me. And um, I've been very fortunate in, in being able to provide them with the support they needed and many of them from from that support because sadly there isn't a lot of support in place. But because mm. I, I've been there and bought that T-shirt, the same goes, um, yeah, I'm able yeah. to sort of give that first-hand experience of what to expect and how they can tackle each stage of the selections so that they do um, achieve their uh, intended job role. And um, from that, loads of them managed to get their start dates, which is absolutely amazing. And yeah. um, I've had them sort of message me back saying a massive thank you, or parents messaging me back saying, you've inspired my son, he's, he's got a start date now, he's going in. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's, it's yeah. the next generation after me. It's that it is the legacy of being able to, I've done it, but now I shouldn't be the only one every individual can go on and do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Alex's legacy, it's incredibly heartwarming. You mentioned in a couple sentences earlier, you said, you talked about the fact that this regimented structured approach was very, very beneficial for for the way you thought and the way you, you thrived essentially. Tell me a little bit about that because another thing I remember you telling me in passing was you you're someone who put his head down and, and really got to work. You just you you could work for hours and hours without without stopping and you're able to produce something really really well so how just could you like share your experiences when when you get a task how it feels like and how you're approaching it okay uh well with me i'm i'm very systematic so how i plan a task out is was that start middle and finish um mm. so i i like to see a task or i never like to finish something halfway because i describe it as a wavelength because when i'm on that wavelength i'm I'm in the zone. I want to get it done there. And then yeah. I know what I want to do. I know what I need to do to do it. And then I will, I will finish it. Um, however, I find once I've started a job and I get maybe 75% through and then something else comes on and I have to do that. I find I struggle to sort of fit back into that original job. Yeah. Because my wavelength has then gone onto something else. So for me, it's always that I've started it, get it done, sort it. So file it onto the next thing. Um, so with me routine, that's, that's how I work in terms of when I get a task, I like to tackle it that way. And that, to be fair in a job, that, that can't always happen because priorities change, and as, you, as you know as well. Um, but it's, it's sort of being able to measure that and sort of be able to tolerate being able to sort of um, be flexible between what jobs you do. Um, but, but within my role, I've, I've had a lot of experience with that and I've had to develop part of that myself to be able to go to an next job. If it's urgent, that needs doing, then that job needs doing so be able to um go between but so regimented for me is sort of very clearly outlined what you need to do if, if there's any 
sort of struggles that you you're not understanding there are um, documents in place which are sort of step-by-step guides of how to achieve those jobs um Mm -hmm. or tasks and for me that's very beneficial because if i have any lack of clarity on um, a task i can literally go straight through i've done that part i've done that part what do i do next okay it's that line just for me i find that it makes it a lot easier to sort of navigate and be able to perform that role effectively so that's that's probably it amazing but i i wonder whether you would and uh have no measurements to back it up but would would you say that you maybe even be more productive than others who who have to who who may not be as concentrated as diligent as you are and uh, and forgive me if i'm putting words in your mouth but would you would potentially the not calling it disability but actually calling it a superpower because you're actually able to do something which others uh, in the mainstream education system or mainstream if we refer to say uh spectrum where are find it more difficult to concentrate for long periods of time or to identify certain patterns or to you know see discrepancies in large sets of data uh it's difficult question (laughs) i guess for me i've always been the way i am and i don't sort of measure myself off other people um Mm -hmm. just that's just generally me um i think you you could say that within any job role you're always going to find there are some individuals who will do above and beyond and some individuals who are quite happy to stamp in and stamp out but that mm-hmm. that is the same of every job true um and in in my case i, I may be able to do a, a bit more work than other individuals but um i don't think that sort of reflects badly i think it's just a case of uh, because of how fast i can process things sometimes that as you say maybe it can be seen as a superpower is i could maybe be a bit more productive in some regards um but yeah it's it's part and parcel of every job is you you get a variety of people that work with you from all different walks of life with different paces different processing speeds um but yeah that's probably my honest opinion i think i can't sort of honestly um say a certain individual i I do 10 times more than because that's that's not fair in terms of like i can't honestly judge um but yeah it's i am i am the way i am um and then some some people like it some people maybe not so much because it may create more, more work down the line but um <laughs> but it's, just, it. it's, it's just one of those that yeah. i'd rather I, I operate off empty desk policy so if, if there's something there get it done don't wait until next week it's there bang sorted on to the next thing that's how that's how i work it's yeah. just it's my mind how it sort of uh engages what about um the kind of the, the broader kind of uh, area of diversity inclusion and your efforts of of, of championing and, and advocating for the inclusion of neurodiverse people how how is that going beyond the army and, and beyond your your day-to-day job um, and at a global scale what what challenges do you foresee and how do we how do we start to kind of fix them and, and ensure there is there is inclusivity everywhere I think the biggest issue I think at the moment is um, the negative stigma behind the label of getting mm. autism uh, diagnosed. Uh, to give you a statistic, only 22% of the young people with um, Asperger's and ASD actually get full-time employment. So not a, not a great figure in my not opinion. Um, and it's a figure I'd like to tackle within my lifetime because that an individual with ASD may not be right for a certain job, but their mm-hmm. skill set may put them perfectly in mind for another another role. So one mm-hmm. of my um, sort of my colleagues from when I was in school, um, really really intelligent, loved playing Angry Birds, um, ASD I should say, um, 
but just just because he could, he managed to hack into NASA just because he was really sort of brainy. He just thought, oh, right, I do that today and just, just did it. Uh, <laughs> but a bit sort of, um, he didn't do anything, but it was just, just the fact that he could do it. Yeah. Um, okay. and I think this, for me, there's, I just don't feel that it's fair that an individual gets written off because they, yeah, they may not be right for one job, but there are plenty of jobs out there that sort of will lend to their skill sets. Um, I think that that opportunity, hopefully, and sort of awareness is the biggest one because mm. a lot of companies, admittedly, when when they see Asperger's ASD, they may start thinking, oh, well, what are we going to have to put into place? What sort of money are we going to have to spend to accommodate this person? And that can sometimes provide a negative impact, but they may not need to even provide anything because if if the job role fits that sort of that mindset of the individual, they may be absolutely perfect for that job. Um, I think it's a lot of it is just to sort of break down the negativity of the label um, because a lot, yeah. a lot of people who hear it, it is that, oh, he's got, he's got this, or it's, a, it's like a bit of um, a, taboo, a taboo subject, I think, with some people because yeah. they, they don't yeah. actually look at what that actually means. It's just that, oh, it's negative, negative. Um, and I think for me, it's like a lot of companies are missing out on people who would be absolutely amazing. Incredible talent because of that so yeah that's that's my personal sort of goal for the future is to sort of look at policy on how we can develop more mm -hmm. inclusion and diversity and potentially go into a some form of local politics to see if i can be a part of championing that a bit further so i can be hands-on with policy making um once i finish my career with the raf that's that's all my future ambition for the future okay what do you think about the current kind of trends and, and direction that the globe the world's heading towards are you seeing changes happen, especially in the last, you know, five, 10 years of being in this space and, and feeling the challenges that have come out of it? Are you seeing changes happen at corporate and governmental levels? Yeah, at, at the end of the day, um, a lot more inclusion is happening. For instance, with forces, there was no opportunity for any individual to go into mm -hmm. the forces. And you can imagine how many job roles that an individual with ASD could fit into within the forces, whether mm. that be computer-based, supply-based, or engineering, whatever. Uh, but that is a massive market now where individuals, if they've got the right experience, skills, and knowledge, that they can fit into. Um, there are improvements constantly happening. It's, it's one of those, it, it won't happen overnight, as as with all things. Yeah. It, it will yeah. be sort of... Um, sort of taking chunks at a time out of the system yeah. to make more inclusion and diversity. But I think the biggest thing is education and sort of showing people that it isn't that negative stigma that it's like, I, again, labels, they can be a good thing because they provide you with the help, but there's a lot of hindrance, sadly, at the moment still, because I, from getting the diagnosis, even though I was able to access the help, it hindered me in other areas. So I had to battle a bit more to be able yeah. to do certain things that maybe an individual from mainstream wouldn't have had to worry about. Um, so I think that that's sort of in the longer term, definitely it is getting better. I can see a lot of, um, visible changes, um, within governments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think again, it's, it is worldwide. So it is, it's something that every government will have to continually keep developing, but it is my sort of dream that in the future that there won't be any hindrance and everyone sort of will be judged fairly, no matter who they are or what, what their condition is. Um, because it, it should not be a hindrance. And that's sort of, that is my dream for the future is to sort of make that more include, sorry, make a more inclusive world. Absolutely. Um, Alex, you're inspiring and it always warms my heart to speak with you. Um, and I wanted to kind of bring our episode to an end by asking you 
Well, by identifying that, you know, even out there today listening to our episode and there are people who may realize that they're facing certain conditions, they may be labeled, they may not be, they may feel like they're not fitting in the mainstream. Um, and they may be scared of what it what it's like to, or they may be already facing discrimination because of the conditions that they have. What do you say to them? How can you, how would you kind of like inspire them? How would you advise them and, and kind of like give them strength? Okay, well, my slogan I've always, I've always used is never let a label define you. Um, I've mm-hmm. gone through difficult times um, and don't get me wrong, they, they do, they do sort of take a lot out of you sort of emotionally mm-hmm. and physically, but it's, it's about sort of being able to keep digging and knowing that, um, that you will get where you want as long. So with that right support, you can achieve anything you want to and with the right people around you um, and anything is possible. But yeah, my, my biggest sort of, um, well, my, my catchphrase is just never let a label define you and you can do anything. You can do anything. And that I, I firmly believe that and hope, hopefully I can inspire many other young people to feel exactly the same way. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.